Welcome to Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley. And I'm Matthew Harrison, Equity Research Analyst covering biotechnology. And on part two of this special edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about international progress for COVID-19 vaccinations and the road to herd immunity. It's Friday, March 19th at 3 p.m. in London. And 11 a.m. in New York. So, Matt, I think it's fair to say that this crisis and also the focus on vaccinations has highlighted a level of inequality in the world. And you have a country like the U.S., which has looked to kind of guarantee a quite large number of vaccinations for its population. And you have other countries that don't have anywhere close to the same stockpile available. And so as you look out into the future, how do you think the U.S. might address that? And, you know, there's there's a scenario where, you know, vaccinations are shipped. There's scenarios where technology is shared. How do you think about that? And what also do you think is the role of the pharmaceutical sector in those debates? I guess the first point is, I don't know what the U.S. government is going to do. Obviously, the U.S. government has guaranteed contracts for a significant number of doses. I think the last time we calculated, it's about four or five times the overall population. Some of those vaccines are not approved yet, and so we don't know whether or not the U.S. government would get those doses, but they clearly have overordered versus the population. So the two factors, if I were sitting as a government official that I would weigh are, first, do we need to boost the whole U.S. population again for this upcoming winter? And do we need to do it either, A, with just another shot of the same vaccine, or do we need to order a new variant-specific booster? The government may be hesitant to share doses if they think they can boost the whole population with just another shot of the same vaccine, because we'll obviously have those doses. Then there's the obviously equitable factors that you've brought up. And in addition to those equitable factors, there's also a self-serving factor to a certain degree that if you don't help vaccinate the rest of the world's population, you allow more variants to develop, which ultimately will then be an issue that you have to deal with in your own country. So I think once you solve the scientific question, which we will know in the next couple months, and I think once the U.S. is clear that they've received the doses to be able to vaccinate their population, I would expect these kinds of conversations to heat up significantly as we get into the early summer when the visibility on doses as well as variant is going to be much higher. Matt, could you also comment, there were some headlines around the U.S. partnering with some other countries to invest in vaccine production in India. It was a pretty large headline number of that investment. I was wondering if you just comment on on that and if you see that as a model going forward. So, Andrew, the announcement from the U.S. partnering with other Asian nations to work with Indian manufacturers to produce up to a billion doses by the end of 2022 for emerging market economies is significant. And I think the timeline reflects the time that's needed to ramp up production, which is usually six to nine months to get to scale. Um, And also reflects the history that Indian manufacturers are very good at producing drugs at scale. They already do that with a lot of generic drugs supplied across the world. And with tech transfer and capital, they should be able to meet that timeline. And Matt, while we're talking about vaccines, you know, it's also hard to ignore what's going on in Europe. Uh, There have been a number of country-level medical authorities which have suspended vaccinations on health concerns. You know, in Europe, this has also been a topic of great consternation where 
you know, Europe has been lagging behind the vaccination pace in, in the U.S. and the U.K. I was, I was wondering if you just talk a little bit about kind of what's going on here and whether or not you think those suspensions of vaccinations will be permanent or much more temporary. So I think in Europe, there are two things to remember. So the first is that Europe ordered vaccines later than both the U.S. and the U.K. And so part of the issue that they are facing is that they were later on in the supply picture for many manufacturers who had orders from the U.S. and the U.K. first and therefore were subject to deliver those orders first. And so that slowed down the European vaccination effort. You've also pointed to health concerns over some of the vaccines. And I guess what I would say is there will always be side effects that need to be investigated. And that process will have to play out in a scientific way. Um, And so far, what we know, at least from the European regulator, is they have not discovered any link between the vaccine and some of the side effects that have been raised in the media. Again, though, we'll have to wait and see as those investigations continue. And Andrew, maybe put into perspective how the market is thinking about Europe. Obviously, as you pointed, the headlines in terms of vaccination speed and hiccups in that campaign are fairly frequent. And how is the market thinking about European equities or European risk assets more broadly compared to the U.S.? So I think this is a really topical debate, because if you take a step back, it does seem like the United States is where the action is. The U.S. just passed a major fiscal stimulus. We think growth in the U.S. could be around 8% in 2021, so one of the strongest growth rates in the world. And as you were just talking about, the U.S. is kind of at the leading edge now of the vaccination race. And those numbers keep picking up. And in terms of what the country has ordered, the U.S. has the ability to kind of keep vaccinating vaccinating its population into the summer. So, you know, both of those things, I think, at the headline level would make you think, well, you know, the U.S. is the more attractive market. But I think there's actually a a slight kind of irony here, which is, you know, markets are forward-looking. And so if we think about U.S. assets, there's now a debate over have valuations already reflected that better view? And then a natural tug of war within, you know, the market is is almost always, you know, better data can bring around tighter monetary policy, shifts in monetary policy designed to kind of put a break on that growth and prevent it from running too hot. And so the U.S. is is very focused on what the Federal Reserve will do and how far it will raise rates and to what extent those rates will rise. So You know, in Europe, I don't think you have the same valuation issue. Um, Valuations in Europe have moved up a lot less than they have in the U.S. over the last several years. And ironically, because Europe's vaccination rollout is slower and because it's done less to support its economy through fiscal policy, it's a lot longer away from raising interest rates because of that weaker response. And so I think from the perspective of a European company, I think some of these companies could actually be in a quite good position where they sell their goods and services globally, so they benefit from a strong global recovery, but they borrow in a region where interest rates are still very, very low and where the central bank is still a longer ways away from raising those interest rates, in part because there's more economic uncertainty, there's more public health uncertainty. So, you know, bottom line, I'm pretty optimistic about the European asset story uh, in our asset allocation. We're overweight European equities. We also have small overweights in the U.S. and Japan, but Europe is our most preferred region. And I do think that's actually consistent with the slower rollout of vaccinations that we've seen in the region. Matt, thanks for taking the time to talk. Great speaking with you, Andrew. As a reminder, if you enjoy Thoughts of the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. 
It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 